Section twenty one of The Diary of a Country Parson by James Woodford. Read by John Greenman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Seventeen seventy eight. January third. Bill went out a shooting again today, and he brought home just nothing at all, though he had several shots at pheasants and missed every one. January fifth. Bill went out a shooting again this morning, and he killed only one small thrush. My servant man Ben spent the day at his father's by my leave. Suki went out in the afternoon and returned in the evening with her sister, who laid at my house. N.B. I did not know of her going out, nor of her sister sleeping here till after ten at night. I think it is taking too great liberties with me to bring home a stranger to sleep here. I do not like it at all, as every servant may do the same. January 6th. We breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. Suki's sister breakfast here and then went home. I did not speak one word to her, as she came unasked. Bill went out a-shooting again this morning, and he brought home only four blackbirds. Gave Bill this evening for powder, and shot two shilling sixpence. January 19th. This being the day for the Queen's birthday to be kept, Bill fired my blunderbuss three times, each charge three caps of powder with a good deal of paper and tow on it. I fired him off in the evening with three caps of powder also. January 22nd. I took a ride about two o'clock and my servant Will with me to Justice Buckton's at Easton Reed's, and there I dined and spent the afternoon with the Justice and Mr. DeKeene. We had for dinner a boiled leg of mutton and a hare roasted. Gave Mr. Buxton's servant boy coming away one shilling. About six o'clock we went from Mr. Buxton's. Mr. DeKeene went home in his carriage, and I went on to Norwich, where I supped and slept at the King's Head, as did my nephew. Mr. Buxton has a very good house and a very fine situation, with a pleasing prospect from the same. After we drank coffee at our inn this evening, we went on to the playhouse, and as we did not get in till after the third act, we paid only one shilling sixpence each for seats in the front box. The play was the Maid of the Oaks, with a fête champêtre, which was very pretty, and the entertainment was The Deuce is in Him. I went away from the playhouse before the entertainment began. My nephew stayed all the time. January 23rd. Mr. Don, myself, and nephew took a walk after breakfast to the new Burningham shop in London Lane, and there I bought a pruning knife and two razors with cases to them for two shillings sixpence. Knife, sixpence. Razors, two shillings. Two shillings sixpence. January 27th. Mr. Duquesne called on me at Weston this morning and stayed with me some time, he told me that a meeting of the nobility, gentry, and clergy of the county of Norfolk would be held to-morrow morn at the Maid's Head at Norwich for opening a subscription to advance a regiment in these critical times for the king. He asked me if I should be there, which I promised. Accordingly, he and Bill set forth for Norwich. January 28th. We breakfast, supped, and slept at the king's head. To my barber this morning gave one shilling. After dressing myself, I walked by myself down to the maid's head to the meeting of the nobility, clergy, etc., Lord Townsend, Mr. Townsend, Sir John Woodhouse, Sir William Jernigan, 
Mr. D. Gray, the Lord Chief Justice's son, a Mr. Masham, Colonel Dickens, etc., present. Sir John Woodhouse was chairman, and opened the business of the meeting, and he was answered by one Mr. Wyndham, who spoke exceedingly well with great fluency and oratory, but on the wrong side. Lord Townsend spoke after him, but is no orator at all. Mr. de Grey then spoke very well, and after him Mr. Townsend. Note. See page 211. The question was then proposed by the chairman that all those gentlemen that were against the subscription would retire, and many there were that retired. The subscription then was opened, and Lord Townsend subscribed five hundred pounds. Sir John Woodhouse also, I believe, did the same, and some others. Mr. Duquesne was there, and he subscribed twenty guineas. Towards the end of the second sheet I subscribed five guineas. There were many others that followed my example. N.B. I did not pay my subscription as many did not. The money is to be advanced as it is wanted. I dined and spent the afternoon at the Maid's Head with the rest of the nobility and clergy and gentry. We had about forty that sat down to dinner. Sir John Woodhouse, Lord Townsend, Mr. Masham, Mr. Townsend, Sir William Jernigan, Colonel Dickens, Mr. de Grey, Mr. Duquesne, etc., etc., dined there. I sat between Colonel Dickens and Mr. Duquesne. The Colonel was at Christchurch in Oxford, a student there. Therefore he and myself had a long conference. The Colonel lives at Durham, and asked me to his house. The subscription amounted to near five thousand pounds. The subscription is to be kept open at Carrison's. There was also a meeting of the opposite party at the White Swan today to protest against it. The above Mr. Wyndham was one of them. Most people admired the manner of Wyndham's speaking, so much elegance, fluency, and action in it. For my ordinary paid three shillings, extraordinary one shilling, total four shillings. My nephew dined and spent the day at the King's Head. Mr. Duquesne and myself went from the meeting about six o'clock and drank tea with Mr. Priest and his wife. After tea, Mr. Duquesne went home with Mr. Townsend. I then called on my nephew, and we went to the play. As we went in after the third act, I only paid three shillings. The play was The Provoked Husband and Bon Ton the Farce. We sat in the center box, which was quite full. Sir William Jernigan was in the same box and spoke to me as he came out. A very good house tonight. We slept in our own beds at the King's Head tonight. The Mr. Wyndham, who spoke exceedingly well, is the celebrated William Wyndham, 1750 to 1810, friend of Dr. Johnson, scholar, diarist, and statesman. He was educated at Eton and Oxford. His first appearance in public life was the occasion here referred to by the diarist. His liberal opinions, however, changed under the influence of the French Revolution. From 1784 to 1802 he represented Norwich in Parliament, and in 1794 he joined Pitt's administration as Secretary for War, a position he held till 1801. He was again War Secretary in the Ministry of All the Talents, 1806 to 1807. He was a very remarkable man, a good Greek and Latin scholar, fluent in French and Italian, and a student of mathematics. His diary, 1784-1810, to 1810, is of very considerable interest, edited in 1866 by Mrs. Henry Baring. 
it is in his diary pages thirty to thirty four that occurs the memorable description of dr johnson's last hours and the words addressed to wyndham god bless you my dear wyndham through jesus christ and concluding with a wish that we might meet in some humble portion of that happiness which god might finally vouchsafe to repentant sinners see the diary and the notice of wyndham in the d n b february eighth we had for dinner to-day the finest and fattest turkey cock roasted that i ever saw it was two inches thick in fat upon the breast after it was roasted we had nothing else besides as it weighed fourteen pounds february twelfth mr duquesne called on me this morning about eleven o'clock and about twelve i took a ride with him to ling and there we dined and spent the afternoon at mr baldwin's with him and his wife and youngest daughter and mr priest of reefham mrs baldwin seems to be of a gloomy complexion with a beard before dinner we went into mr baldwin's boat and went up the river a little way to take up some hooks that were laid for jacks but never a fish having done that mr duquesne mr priest and self went and saw the paper mills close to mr baldwin's mr duquesne and myself bought a ream of writing paper twenty quires belonging to the same i had one half and he the other ten quires apiece i paid for mine five shillings the master mr hammerton went with us and showed us the whole machinery which is indeed very curious we had for dinner at mr baldwin's some fricasseed rabbit some mutton steaks a piece of roast beef a fine rich plum pudding tarts and sillybubs at quadrille this evening at mr baldwin's lost ninepence gave mr baldwin's servant man one shilling i returned home about eight o'clock mr duquesne and mr priest slept there february twenty third we breakfast dined supped and slept again at home bill went out a-coursing this morning on my little mare and mr hardy went out with him and they brought home nothing at all though out for five hours and three greyhounds to mr carey on ann taylor my maid's account for a gown two shifts and other small matters paid him one pound nine and a half pence to mr carey also for things from norwich etc paid four shillings sixpence to my smuggler andrews for a tub of gin had of him january sixteenth paid him this morn one pound five shillings february twenty seventh we breakfast dined supped and slept again at home my nephew and self walked to church this morning at eleven o'clock and there i read prayers only being a day appointed for a general fast on account of the war with the americans i had a large congregation my servant ben went after dinner to his father's unknown to me and did not return home till near eleven at night and when he came home he went to bed without my seeing him and i believe not very sober it is very bad of him march first read prayers and preached this morning at weston neighbor gooch's father was taken very ill to-day and thought to be dying i sent him tent wine and in the afternoon went and saw him and read prayers by him he desired to have the sacrament administered to him which i told him i would do it to-morrow morning poor gooch has been an invalid for many years his pulse i thought was pretty regular he had been convulsed in one of his hands but talked pretty cheerful and well my clerk's wife jane smith 
Got immensely drunk, I hear, today. March 2nd. Poor neighbor Gooch died this morning about seven o'clock. I was quite surprised to hear of it indeed, as he did not appear to me yesterday near his latter end. I hope that as his intention was to receive the sacrament this morning, that his will will be to the Supreme Being taken as if the deed had been done. March 7th. My man Ben went to Norwich with my brinded cow and calf to sell on the hill, which were sold by Mr. Burton for the sum of five pounds seven shillings sixpence. Mr. Burton had bought me a cow and calf, and which were had home March 5th. They cost six pounds. March 21st. The papers mention a war with France to be inevitable, and will ere long be publicly proclaimed. Note see page 230 and footnote pages 240 to 41 april 7th my nephew and self took a walk about eleven this morning to mr howe's and there we dined and spent the afternoon with him and his wife mr bottom and mr and miss don we spent the afternoon in fishing mr howe's pond i lent him my large dragnet and my cart carried it over for him and harry dunnell will and ben went with the same. We caught vast quantities of fish called cruzers. They are a very beautiful fish of a yellow hue, and none very large, almost all the same size, some few carp and tench. I gave Mr. Howes twenty brace of stock tench, and he gave me in return fifty brace of cruisers. My folks all dined at Mr. Howes, and then came away. We had for dinner some stewed carp, some cruisers fried, which were very good indeed, a fillet of veal roasted, and a ham, and some mince-pies and tarts. April 10th. Had a prodigious large leg of pork of Billy Bidewell this afternoon, and which weighed twenty-eight pounds and one-half, and for which I owe him. April 15th. We breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home, brewed a vessel of strong beer to-day, my two large pigs, by drinking some beer grounds taking out of one of my barrels to-day, got so amazingly drunk by it that they were not able to stand, and appeared like dead things almost, and so remained all night from dinner-time to-day. I never saw pigs so drunk in my life. I slit their ears for them without feeling. April 16th. We breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. My two pigs are still unable to walk yet, but they are better than they were yesterday. They tumble about the yard, and can by no means stand at all steady yet. In the afternoon my two pigs were tolerably sober. April 18th. Between five and six in the evening I took a ride to Honningham, and buried one Willen, late a schoolmaster there, and who died very sudden being taken as he came from Durham. His son and daughter attended him to the grave, and were much concerned for their father. Pray God comfort them. None but those that have lost their parents can feel that sorrow which such an event generally produces. April 24th. Who should come to my house about two o'clock this day but my cousin, James Lewis, from Nottingshire, and on foot, and only a dog, by name careless, with him? He was most miserably clothed, indeed, in every respect. He dined and supped and slept at my house. He slept with my nephew in the yellow chamber. He looked much better than when we saw him in Somerset last, in health. April 25th. 
cousin lewis breakfast dined supped and slept again at weston i gave lewis a tobacco-box this morning a pair of shoes a pair of stockings a pair of breeches and shirt and stock and an old coat and waistcoat may sixteenth at about seven o'clock this evening who should arrive at my house in a post-chaise and pair but mr pounceset and sister pounceset he had been expecting them but did not know exactly when they would arrive they had come that day one hundred miles they set out from ansford on wednesday morn last and they came by way of london and in a post-chaise all the way from london they were much tired especially my sister but she was pretty tolerable they supped and slept at my house i was exceeding glad to see them but did not expect them so soon they slept in my yellow chamber and cousin lewis and bill slept up in the garret over my chamber may eighteenth we all breakfast dined supped and slept again at weston this morning i had my great pond drawn to show mr pounceset and jenny some diversion and we had the largest pike we caught for dinner and it weighed seven pounds mr pounceset and jenny said they never eat so fine a fish in all their lives it was prodigious nice indeed in the evening i took a walk and showed mr pounceset and jenny my church etc they being not at church on sunday as it rained much that day in the afternoon may twenty first we all breakfast dined and slept again at weston i walked up to the white hart with mr lewis and bill to see a famous woman in men's clothes by name hannah snell note hannah snell seventeen twenty three to seventeen ninety two had enlisted in seventeen forty five after being deserted by her husband a dutch seaman it was not till seventeen fifty that she revealed her military adventures a book of them being published under the title the female soldier the surprising adventures of hannah snell which the author of the notice of her in the d n b considers much embroidered she married a second and third time an account of her extraordinary career will also be found in fortescue's monumental history of the british army hannah snell who was twenty-one years old as a common soldier in the army and not discovered by any as a woman cousin lewis has mounted guard with her abroad she went in the army by the name of john gray she has a pension from the crown now of eighteen pounds five shillings per annum and the liberty of wearing men's clothes and also a cockade in her hat which she still wears she has laid in a room with seventy soldiers and not discovered by any of them the forefinger of her right hand was cut off by a sword at the taking of pondicherry she is now about sixty years of age and talks very sensible and well and travels the country with a basket at her back selling buttons garters laces etc i took four pair of fourpence buttons and gave her two shillings sixpence at ten o'clock we all went down to the river with our nets a-fishing at lensway bridge we caught a prodigious fine pike which weighed eight pounds and half and it had in his belly another pike of above a pound we caught also there the finest trout i ever saw which weighed three pound and two ounces good pike and trout we also caught besides may twenty fourth about ten o'clock this evening my servant will came home rather intoxicated and was exceedingly impudent and saucy toward me said he would leave me at midsummer or to-morrow morning etc 
Will's behavior made me very uneasy. I gave him notice that now he should go away at midsummer. May 25th. Mr. and Mrs. Pounsett and Bill breakfast, dined, supped, etc. here. Cousin Lewis breakfast with us, and then took his leave of us, as he must now go to Beeston. Mr. Pounsett went with him so far as Lenswade Bridge. Bill went with Cousin Lewis as far as Ellum on foot. I gave Cousin Lewis, going away, ten shillings sixpence. Cousin Lewis could not help crying on going away. On June 2nd the diarist, Bill and Mr. and Mrs. Pounsett and Will, the servant, made an expedition to Yarmouth, staying at Norwich on the way. June 4th. We all breakfast and dined at the wrestlers. After breakfast we took a walk about Yarmouth, called at Bolter's shop in the marketplace, and there I bought a fine doll for Jenny's little maid, paid for it five shillings, for a dram bottle covered with leather paid two shillings, for a silk purse paid three shillings, for a turn screw and picker for a gun paid one shilling. Jenny bought a good many little things for her girl. Bolter is a very civil man and a Quaker. He is also an Aquarian and has a good many curiosities as well as medals. He showed me a complete set of copper coins of the twelve Caesars. He offered to sell them to me for ten guineas, but I could not spare the money. We went also and saw the church and churchyard. This being the king's birthday, Yarmouth was quite alive. The Cambridgeshire militia was there and were exercised. Bells ringing, the flags from the ships in the sea and on the quay all flying. At eleven o'clock I drove my sister down to the front in a Yarmouth coach, and there stayed till after the cannon were all fired. Mr. Pounsett and Bill walked down to the fort. At one o'clock the cannons on the fort were all fired. I fired the first cannon on it of six-pounders and the second, and I likewise fired two of the largest cannons, twenty-four-pounders. They made a prodigious report. I stayed upon the fort all the time they were fired. Bill let off four cannon, and Will let off one of the largest. Several women were there. Mr. Pounsett and Jenny walked about a mile from the fort during the firing of the cannon. We eat and drank at the fort, and I paid and gave seven shillings sixpence. We returned at three to the wrestlers and there dined. They went back to Weston by coach and chaise, which they reached at 10 p.m. We were all pretty much fatigued before we got to bed, which was not till one in the morning. We had a couple of fowls roasted for supper after we got home, and we eat very hearty of them indeed. June 5th. Mr. Custance, senior of Ringland, called on me this morn, caught me in a very great disabelle and long beard. He stayed with me about half an hour, talked exceedingly civil and obliging, and behaved very polite. This is Mr. John Custance, my squire, of whom and of whose life we shall hear frequently hereafter. He was born in 1749, the son of Hamilton Custance, and grandson of John Custance, who had purchased the Weston property in 1726. Mr. Custance's wife was the second daughter of Sir William Beauchamp Proctor, created a baronet in 1745, and she was therefore sister-in-law of Sir Edmund Bacon, kinsman of the owner of Earlham, see page 233, a name which now conjures up charming pictures of later gurneys through the pious art of Mr. Percy Lubbock. 
the Custances, as will appear from the diary, had numerous children, seven of whom survived. Squire Custance's pleasant character and the charm of his wife are revealed as the diary proceeds. The squire, it is amusing to know, maintained some touch with the great world of London as being a gentleman of the privy chamber. Note, Burke's Landed Gentry, 1921, under Custance. June 9th. The diarist has to go to Norwich on business. In the evening, about nine o'clock, there was a great riot upon the Castle Hill between the officers of the Western Battalion of the Norfolk Militia and the common soldiers and mob. Owing to the officers refusing to pay their men a guinea apiece as they go tomorrow towards the place of their encampment, several of them refusing to go without it, and would not resume their arms after roll-calling for which they were put into the guard-room, and the mob insisting upon having them out, which occasioned a great riot. The mob threw stones, and some of the soldiers running their bayonets at the mob and wounded them. Some of each side were hurt, but not mortally wounded or killed. It lasted till midnight, and the officers behaved very well in it. I was at the place for some time till near eleven o'clock. To odd things this evening paid three shillings sixpence. I did not go to bed till after twelve, and then only pulled off my coat and waistcoat and shoes, as there was such a bustle and noise all night, and riot expected again. June 10th. I got up this morning at four o'clock and went and saw the militia march out of town. A great mob was present, and a great riot expected but they went away at five and tolerably quiet. June 14th, I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. Mr. Pounsett, Jenny, and Bill breakfast, etc., etc., here again. I read prayers and preached this morn at Weston. Mr. Custance, Sr., and his lady were at church and came in a coach and four. June 30th, I breakfast, supped, and slept again at home. Jenny breakfast, supped, and slept here again. Mr. Pounsett and Bill breakfast, dined, etc., etc., here again. At one o'clock myself and sister took a ride to Mr. Duquesne, it being his rotation, and there we dined and spent a very agreeable day with him, and Mr. Holcomb from Pembroke, a friend of Mr. Duquesne's, and is a very merry, cheerful, and sensible man. St. John Priest, Mr. and Mrs. Howes, Mr. and Mrs. Payne, Howes' daughter, Mr. and Miss Don, and Mr. Bottom. Mr. Holcomb is also a very musical man, plays well on the violin, and therefore we had a concert also. We had for dinner some mackerel, a piece of beef boiled, three fowls roasted, and bacon with tarts, etc. We had after dinner vast quantities of strawberries. At quadrille this afternoon lost one shilling. Mrs. Howes appeared in her new silk sack today, it was very handsome, and of lilac color. My sister and self did not return to Weston till after nine. To a poor old man, eighty years old, gave sixpence. July 6th. In the afternoon, about five o'clock, Mr. Pounsett and sister took leave of Weston and set off in Lensway chaise for Norwich, in which I went with them to Norwich and had my mare led there by will. Bill also rode the little mare with us to Norwich. We saw Mr. Duquesne as soon as we got there. He had bespoke two places in the coach for Jenny and Mr. P., 
jenny mr Pounsett, and bill drank coffee at the king's head this evening and afterwards went to mr baker's shop haberdasher in the market-place and bought some trifling things for what i bought paid five shillings mr duquesne myself mr Pounsett, jenny and bill went to the angel inn in the market-place from whence the coach goes out and there we all supped and stayed till twelve o'clock the time the coach sets forth for london and then mr duquesne jenny and mr Pounsett got into the coach after taking leave and went off for london pray god they might all have a good and safe journey bill and myself being rather low after took a walk for about an hour over the city and then went to the king's head and went to bed there at the angel for bill and myself i paid five shillings my poor dear sister shook like an aspen leaf going away she never went in a stage-coach before in her life july twenty ninth reported to-day that the english and french fleets had engaged and b the english is reported to have beat the french fleet to the purpose note one see pages two hundred and forty and forty one footnote august seventeenth begun shearing my wheat this morning and gave the shearers according to the norfolk custom as under a good breakfast at eleven o'clock plum cakes with caraway seeds in them and some liquor a good dinner with plum puddings and at four beer again and b the above are called elevens and fours only ben and will my shearers of wheat before the dew is off in the morn they mow oats my wheat this year not above four acres they shear with sickles instead of reap-hooks the form of them like a reap-hook but the edge of it like a saw and they do exceeding well will brewed this morning a barrel of ale before he went shearing wheat at twelve o'clock august eighteenth i buried poor miss rose this evening at weston aged twenty years it was a very pretty decent funeral but james smith the clerk made me wait in performing the office at the grave near a quarter of an hour the grave not being long enough a good deal it was a very great interruption i gave it to james afterwards i had a hat-band and a pair of gloves sent me i was quite low this evening august twenty fifth ben went to help stephen andrews men at harvest came home in the evening in liquor and at eleven o'clock after i got up to my room to go to bed i heard my little puppy cry much and therefore i went down to see what was the matter with him and he had got his head between the pails by the garden gate and could not get back again i released him and carried him towards the back door and there i saw a light burning in ben's room upon that i walked up into his room and there saw him laying flat upon his back on the bed asleep with his clothes on and the candle burning on the table i waked him made him put out the candle and talked with him a little on it but not much as he was not in a capacity of answering but little i was very uneasy to see matters go on so badly august twenty sixth mr baldwin called on us this morning and talked with us concerning a midshipman's place for bill and desired us to drink a dish of tea with him in the afternoon which we promised him in the afternoon took a walk with bill to mr baldwin's at ling and there drank a dish of tea with him miss virtue baldwin mr hammerton dr neal had a good deal of chat with mr hammerton about bill 
Bill is to go to London when Mr. Hamerton goes, which will be very soon, to show himself to a captain of a ship, and that Mr. Hamerton will use all his interest for him. I have been most uneasy and most unhappy all day about one thing or another. When Bill goes away I shall have no one to converse with, quite without a friend. The entry for this day has been much crossed out, I suspect by some early Victorian great-niece of the diarist, but from such parts as are decipherable, taken in conjunction with later entries, I gather that the diarist's maid, Suki, confesses to him that she is with child by one Humphrey. Bill also had been causing him anxiety for some time. Again, the diaries have been deleted, but portions are just decipherable, apparently by paying too great attentions to the fair sex. The combination of anxieties, and it is clear the diarist was much attached to his nephew, sufficiently accounts for the depressed conclusion of this day's entry. August 28th. The diarist and Bill visit Mr. Hammerton. We sat and talked a good deal about Bill's proceeding with regard to the Navy. Mr. Hammerton said that he would do what he could, and would advance him money to rig himself out if he succeeds, upon my promise of paying him again soon. It was so friendly in Mr. Hammerton that I could not but comply in so critical an affair. Bill is therefore to go in the London coach on Sunday evening and wait at the Swan and two necks in Lads Lane, London, till Mr. Hammerton calls on him, which he says will be either Monday evening or Tuesday morning early. Mr. Hammerton rides. Very low and ill withal, especially going to bed. Suki went before Justice Buxton today with her information? Question mark, to swear to the father of the child she is big with. I had a note from Mr. Buxton, which Suki brought to desire the parish officer, the overseer, to come with her, and then he would take her information. August 29th. My maid Suki went with Mr. Palmer to Mr. Justice Buxton, and he granted a warrant to take up Humphrey. August 30th. I read prayers and preached this afternoon at Weston. Gave my nephew to go to London this morning five pounds five shillings. About eight in the evening I took a ride with Bill to Norwich, and there took a place in the coach for him. We drank coffee at the King's Head this evening. We supped at the Angel Inn, as the London machine set out from thence at twelve at night. I stayed with Bill till twelve, saw him safe into the machine, and then I went to the King's Head, where I slept but very little. At the Angel this evening I paid and gave seven shillings. I was very restless and uneasy all night. September 3rd I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. I told Suki this morning my opinion of her respecting the late affair that has happened to her. September 7th I sent a note this morning to Mr. Custance of Ringland to let him know that I would dine with him today, but he was gone to dine with Sir Edmund Bacon at Earlham note. Earlham has recently been made famous by Mr. Percy Lubbock's book of that title. A long history of the two manors there will be found in volume four of Bloomfield's History of Norfolk, pages 509 to 516, edition of 1806. The property appears to have passed to the Bacon family in the second half of the seventeenth century through the marriage of Elizabeth Waller to Francis Bacon, Esquire, a descendant of Queen Elizabeth's Lord Keeper, Sir Nicholas Bacon. Edward Bacon, Esquire, is stated by Bloomfield in 1745 to be 
the present lord and patron who hath his seat here edward bacon was for many years m p for norwich returned in seventeen fifty four seventeen sixty one seventeen sixty eight seventeen forty four and seventeen eighty and recorder sir edmund bacon had succeeded to the premier baronetcy of england sixteen eleven and another of sixteen twenty seven creation on march twenty sixth seventeen seventy three he married on january twenty ninth seventeen seventy eight anne first daughter of sir william beauchamp proctor first baronet seventeen forty five and died september fifth eighteen twenty see cockaine's baronetage under bacon his wife was mrs custon's sister it will be remembered that mr lubbock describes earlham as being leased to the gurneys toward the end of the eighteenth century in seventeen eighty six to be precise the vicars of earlham date back to twelve sixty seven until the reformation they were presented by the nuns of carrow i took a ride in the evening to ling called at mr baldwin's and mr hammerton's and returned home again about ten at night my nephew returned from london and he brought me a letter from mr hammerton who informs me that captain allen of the chatham a fifty-gun ship will take my nephew if he is properly and handsomely equipped which will cost about sixty pounds he must therefore go into the west and try his friends for my part i cannot do it for him i am sure september eighth bill breakfast dined and spent the afternoon here and in the evening set off from my house for the west to consult his friends on the affair and try what they will do i gave him to bear his expenses three pounds thirteen shillings sixpence he went to norwich on horseback and my servant ben went with him and then ben returned about eleven o'clock he would not get a place in the inside of the london coach and therefore obliged to ride in the outside he goes from london in the frome or some other coach from the west he is greatly fatigued already september ninth i breakfast and slept again at home sent a letter this morning by mr burton to mr priests at Reapham respecting my servant boy whom i take out of charity whether i am to pay for him according to the late act relating to servants note the tax on men-servants was imposed in seventeen seventy seven by lord north when compelled to find fresh revenue of nearly two hundred and fifty thousand pounds he borrowed the idea from adam smith's wealth of nations and adam smith had borrowed it from holland where the tax was in vogue in seventeen eighty five pitt extended the tax to maid-servants despite many jokes of a free description as stephen dowell observes see dowell's history of taxation etc volume two pages one hundred and sixty nine to one hundred and seventy and one hundred and ninety and one hundred and ninety one mr priest is one of the commissioners and there is a meeting this day at Reapham concerning that and the duty on houses to mr burroughs harvest men gave one shilling i took a ride to ringland about two o'clock and there dined spent the afternoon and supped and spent the evening at mr constance's with him his wife and an old maiden lady by name miss rush i spent a most agreeable day there and was very merry mrs custance and self played at backgammon together mr and mrs custance are very agreeable people indeed and both behaved exceedingly polite and civil to me 
i there saw an instrument which mrs custance played on that i never saw or heard of before it is called staccardo pastoral it is very soft music indeed it is several long pieces of glass laid in order in a case resting on each end of every piece of glass and is played in the middle parts of the glass by two little sticks with knobs at the end of them striking the glass it is a very small instrument and looks when covered like a working box for ladies i also saw the prettiest working box with all sorts of things in it for the ladies to carry with them when they go abroad about as big again as a tea-chest that i ever saw in my life it could not cost less than five guineas we had for dinner some common fish a leg of mutton roasted and a baked pudding the first course and a roast duck a meat pie eggs and tarts the second for supper we had a brace of partridges roasted some cold tongue potatoes in shells and tarts i returned to weston about one half past ten o'clock to servants at ringland two gave two shillings mr custance also gave me to carry home a brace of partridges which my servant will brought home they keep six men servants and four maids october third had a letter this evening from my sister pouncet and another from mr pouncet both enclosed in a frank had another from bill from london to desire me to send him a ten-pound bill but cannot he has got however from his friends fifty pounds october fifth i breakfast dined supped and slept again at home mr palmer called on me this morning and i had a long chat with him about suki also about the highways and lastly about methodists to mr carey for things from norwich etc paid eight shillings fourpence about eleven o'clock at night just as i was going to bed my nephew william woodford came to my house on foot he came this evening in the norwich coach from london he was much disappointed at london on hearing that the chatham was sailed and therefore prevented going on board her he slept at my house but all the folks were gone to bed and he obliged to sleep without any sheets the ship was sailed about a week they kept him in the country so long about raising fifty pounds that occasioned his disappointment three weeks there october tenth i went to east tuttenham and read prayers and preached a charity sermon for decane there a mr and mrs Reavens, by will gave some land to the poor of that place and likewise money for a sermon to be preached as on this day for ever i had not above ten people at church there to-day due to me from decane for preaching for him at honingham fourteen sermons at ten shillings sixpence each seven pounds seven shillings october fourteenth paid my servant maid suki boxley this morning a year's wage due october tenth the sum of four pounds gave to her besides her wages as going away four shillings i sent carrie's cart with one of my horses by ben to little melton about four miles beyond easton after my new maid this afternoon and she returned about six o'clock her name is elizabeth caxton about forty years of age but how she will do i know not as yet but her wages are five pounds fifteen shillings sixpence per annum but out of that she is to find herself in tea and sugar she is not the most engaging i must confess by her first appearance that she makes my other maid came to me also this evening 
Her name is Anne Lillistone of Lenswade Bridge, about eighteen years of age, but very plain. However, I like her better than the other at the first sight. I am to give her two pounds per annum, and to make her an allowance to find herself in tea and sugar. Suki this evening left us, but in tears, most sad. October twenty-ninth, myself and Bill took a ride about noon to Mr. Baldwin's at Ling, and there dined, spent the afternoon, supped, and spent the evening and stayed till after one in the morn. We were very merry and very agreeable there. We had for dinner a dish of fish, some boiled fowls, some bacon, a tongue boiled, a leg of mutton roasted, some oysters, mince pies, and syllabubs. We had for supper fried herrings, hash, mutton, cold tongue, mince pies, and syllabubs, and stewed pears. Mrs. Hammerton, Mr. and Mrs. Baldwin, Miss Virtue, and Miss Nancy Baldwin, and Mr. Chute, a young man, Ensign, in the guards, and a near relation of Mrs. Baldwin, and whose father lives near Oxford, at a place called Shotover. We played at cards both before and after supper, at which I lost the most in all about nine shillings. We did not get to Weston till two in the morning, and did not get to bed till near four o'clock. November 6. This morning I had some suspicion that Bill was concerned with my maid Nancy, and also that she appeared to me to be with child. I was uneasy. But the truth will appear ere long, if so. Suki, my late maid, was at my house all day to-day to show Nan to make butter and to help in ironing. November 10th. Had a letter this evening from Sister Pounsett with a bank bill in it of ten pounds. Had a letter also from James Lewis to petition my assistance, he having lately broke his left arm. Put some peas into ground in my walled garden. November 13th. The diarist and Bill go to Norwich for the day. I supped and spent the evening with Mr. Francis, Sr. His son and daughter and family are at Sam. Bill was to have been at Mr. Francis's this evening, but I apprehend he was after some of the town ladies. After I came from Mr. Francis's I took a walk in pursuit of Bill, but he was got to the inn. November 21st. I told my maid Betty this morning that the other maid, Nanny, looked so big about the waist that I was afraid she was with child, but Betty told me she thought not, but would soon inform me if it is so. November 23rd. I told Bill this morning that I should have nothing more to say to him or do for him, and I gave him his money that he desired me to keep for him. He was very low on the occasion, and cried much. November 26th. He visits Mr. Duquesne with his servant. As we came back it was stormy and dark, and as we came out of the lane that goes to Duquesne's upon the turnpike on the right hand, just by the direction post, we could perceive a black horse standing still against the hedge, but could not discover any man upon it. But as we got into the wood, Will said he heard the horse move as if coming after us but we jogged on and thank god got home very safe and undisturbed it was between eleven and twelve at night it had rather a suspicious appearance i thought november twenty eighth bad news upon the papers this evening as the french spaniards americans and the dutch are all against us november twenty ninth i read prayers and preached this morning at weston 
i had notice given in church this morning for my parishioners to meet at my house on tuesday next and pay their respective dues for tithe mr hammerton sent a letter to bill this afternoon and in it one from a mr toolman agent for the chatham to mr hammerton to inform him that the chatham would be at sureness the ensuing week and that bill would set out to meet her there bill went down immediately to ling to mr hammerton and stayed there till near eight o'clock he is to go off the ensuing week which i am glad of december seventh about eight this afternoon i went to norwich with my nephew who goes in the london machine this night on his sea expedition which if he does not succeed in on board the chatham is not to return here but go into the west and get into a bristol privateer mrs hammerton sent up a bottle of ketchup to be carried to her son but we could not carry it i put up my horses at the king's head and slept there we drank tea at the king's head this evening and we supped together at the angel inn in the coffee-room there from whence the coach sets off i stayed there till the coach went off which was exactly at twelve at night i saw bill safe into the coach and then returned to my inn to sleep bill set off in tolerable good spirits i gave him to spend between young hammerton and self as we could not carry the ketchup ten shillings sixpence gave to bill besides for himself one pound one shilling my servant will went with us to norwich and carried behind him two very fine turkey cocks which went in the coach and they were presents from me to mr toolman and mr charles hammerton mr toolman is agent to the chatham and mr hammerton is brother to mr hammerton of ling and who behaved particularly civil to bill when last in london for there he slept etc december eighth i breakfasted and slept again at the king's head i went to mr priest's where i dined and spent the afternoon with him his wife miss fanny priest their daughter who is but just alive their son john mr priest of repham and daughter rebecca i paid mr priest for wine and rum six pounds thirteen shillings we had for dinner some norfolk dumplings and a goose a very poor dinner for so many of us i think the two priests and myself went to the castle hill in the afternoon to see the main satire which was nothing more than a large monkey i gave there sixpence it did not answer our expectations at all december nineteenth i breakfast dined supped and slept again at home i shot a rook and a jackdaw at one shot this morning and i believe fifty yards from me i had a long letter from my sister pounset this evening admiral keppel and sir hugh palliser two of our chief admirals have had a grand quarrel and are both to have a court-martial set upon them soon note the quarrel between sir hugh palliser seventeen twenty three to seventeen ninety six and admiral keppel seventeen twenty five to seventeen eighty six arose out of the indecisive action in the channel of july twenty fourth twenty seventh seventeen seventy eight between the french and british fleets keppel was in command and palliser in second command it appears that palliser disobeyed an order of keppel's at a vital moment so the french fleet got away keppel honorably but unwisely suppressed any official report of palliser's insubordination but the facts leaked out and palliser who hated keppel keppel was a whig and palliser a tory 
urged his friend, Lord Sandwich, see pages 249-250, to have Keppel court-martialed. Keppel was charged with every kind of inefficiency and even cowardice by his subordinate. The court-martial was held, and resulted February 11, 1779, in a triumphant vindication of Keppel. The popular feeling was all on Keppel's side, and the overjoyed mob burnt Palliser's house in Pall Mall and tore down the Admiralty gates. London was illuminated for two nights, and Keppel's head was painted on the signs of country inns, where it is to be seen to this day. See notes of Keppel and Palliser in D.N.B. and Lecky's History of England in the Eighteenth Century, Volume 4, pages 93-94. December 23rd. Mr. Duquesne, Mr. and Mrs. Howes, Mr. Bonham, Mrs. Davy and children Betsy and Nunn, Mr. and Mrs. Don, and their cousin, a little boy by name Charles Dunn of London, dined and spent the afternoon with me, being my rotation, and all but Mr. Duquesne supped and spent the whole night with me, being very dark and some falling rain. Mr. Bottom, myself, and Mr. Don sat up the whole night and played at cards till six in the morning. Mr. and Mrs. Howe went to bed in my bedroom about two in the morning. Miss Don, Betsy, and Nun Davis slept together in the yellow room. Mr. Don's nephew slept in Will's room with Mr. Don's man, Charles. All my folks sat up. About six in the morning we serenaded the folks that were abed on the hautboy. Mr. Duquesne went home about ten o'clock. I did all I could to prevail on him to stay, but could not. I gave them for dinner three fowls boiled, part of a ham, the major part of which ham was entirely eat out by the flies getting into it, a tongue boiled, a leg of mutton roasted, and an excellent currant pudding. I gave them for supper a couple of rabbits smothered in onions, some hash mutton, and some roasted potatoes. We were exceeding merry, indeed, all the night. I believe at cards that I lost about two shillings sixpence. December 26. Bad news from Oxford on the paper this evening, viz. that on December 18th a terrible fire broke out in Queen's College at three in the morning, and entirely destroyed the west wing of the new quadrangle with the provost's buildings, and burnt quite to ground. I am very sorry for the sad misfortune. December 27th. I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home, I read prayers and administered the high sacrament this morning at Weston. Mr. and Mrs. Constance, of Ringland, at church and at the sacrament. As Mr. and Mrs. Constance were going to see their brother, Mr. Press Constance, after church, they took me up in their coach and brought me home, and they came into my house and warmed themselves and stayed one quarter of an hour. J. Smith, my clerk, Harry Dunnell and my late maid Suki all dined with our folks in the kitchen. I had part of a rump of beef boiled and a turkey roasted. I sent Harry Dunnell's wife a dinner today. I was rather dull, being quite alone. December 30th. Mr. and Mrs. Howes and Mrs. Potter dined and spent the afternoon with me and stayed till eight in the evening. I gave them for dinner a piece of boiled beef and a plain suet pudding and a fine turkey roasted. Mason of Sparham came to my house with his ten bells this afternoon and played before my company, and they were as well pleased as children on hearing them. End of section twenty one seventeen seventy eight.